welcome to Here There Be Dragons, a Black Sails podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Lewis. And we are here today to talk about episode three. Season two, episode three. Mm-hmm. The sex episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God, these episodes still don't have titles. I know. And yeah, that makes it really hard. Yeah. It's episode two. It's, ep- it's season three. Season two, episode. <laughs> season two, episode three. Yes. The sex episode. The sex episode. Okay. Here's what happens. We start Isn't with... this episode XI? Because it's episode 11. I think so. So does that mean it's episode Sexy? XE? <laughs> or XE? Um, sexy. Sexy. Okay, sure. Okay, keep going. Okay. We start with a flashback of Flint and Hamilton discussing Nassau, and they're interrupted by Miranda, who gives Flint Don Quixote in Spanish... On the warship, Silver has been fully embraced by the crew, and he explains why they can't go to shore quite yet. In the fort, Vane is visited by Ned, and he says that he won't interfere with his fight with Eleanor. In the brothel, Anne has been spending her nights with Max, and Jack is jealous. Silver and Flint send two scouts to watch over the gold on the beach. Flint heads to Nassau to partner with Hornigold, only to find him out of the fort and onto the beach. Eleanor visits Miranda and asks her to be a liaison to the interior. Vane visits Max to ask her to discover what treasure Ned has, which she agrees to find out, but in exchange for lifting the ban on Jack and Anne. Flint meets with Eleanor and tells her about Gates, and then he yells at her a little bit for partnering with Vane. Vane gives public approval of Jack, and Max tells him what the treasure is. In a flashback, we see Flint and Miranda kiss in her carriage. In present times, we see that Miranda has people over to her house, so Flint leaves a copy of Galatea with a note that says, I'm sorry. Vane visits Ned in his ship and captures the whole thing and also cuts off Ned's head and leaves it on a pike on the beach. Eleanor visits Vane after she sees this and initiates passionate sex and initiates sex with both Max and Jack, and Vane shows Eleanor what the treasure is. It's Lord Ash's daughter. The next morning, Flint decides to threaten the fort with his warship. Cool. This is a, a packed happens. episode. It's, it's really so packed. packed. It's so good. I remember thinking, or I'm thinking, I was thinking after last episode, and I was like, this is my favorite episode. Or when I said that about the last episode, because of the whole are you him moment, yeah. I was like, oh no. Like, what does it say? What does it mean that, like, the second episode of the second season is my favorite episode when there's like two more seasons to go. <laughs> but like, that doesn't matter. Cause like all the episodes are good now. Well, also I'm sure we're going to get to another episode at some point where you're like, Oh wait, 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 no, this is my favorite episode. I don't know. I think we might. I think when we started talking about this podcast, I was like, that sounds like a good idea mostly because it's an excuse for me to go back and watch that episode where the guy says, are you him? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but that's not the episode we're talking about. Yeah. So a lot happens in this episode. What do you want to talk about? Uh, let's talk about my girl, Eleanor. Your girl? Your girl. girl. My girl. What does she do? She doesn't do anything in this episode. Yeah, she does. Well, I know. <laughs> <laughs> She's trying to hold everything together. Yeah, but she's not really she's not really doing anything though. This episode is like Vane's episode. Okay. You wanna talk about Vane then? No no no. What like but what is so what does Eleanor what does she do? Well the first thing she does is she visits Miranda mm-hmm. in her home mm-hmm. 
and is very rude. Mm-hmm. I did not like Eleanor in that scene. He's <laughs> like, what are you doing? You are not my girl in this scene. Why was she being rude? Because, like, I get that she's upset about Miranda's betrayal, but Miranda's just sitting there being like, you don't know anything. I don't understand why she went to Miranda. She wants help to um, boost her business with the interior, with the plantations. So it's not really about Flint at all. No. She's just there to also air some grievances. Yeah. She, well, she's basically like, you have to do this because you owe me. Because you almost fucked up me and Flint's plan. Yeah. And she's like, and you should be scared of Flint because you did that. And she's like, no. Well, she's like, I, I don't get, there's, she also wants to find out, like, are you blackmailing him? Mm -hmm. Because from my perspective, it looks like you have something that you're holding over him. Otherwise he wouldn't do any of this. Mm -hmm. Like, he's so nice to you. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And then Miranda gets that great line. I love this part where she says, she talks about Flynn Stevens and she says, none of them look or sound like me. I was there when they were born. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, love good. That. But then like she leaves. Yeah. I mean, she gets, she kind of gets what she wants. Eleanor or Miranda says basically like, I'll talk to the congregation and try to set up a meeting but uh-huh. yeah no no hard action is taken it's just an excuse to get miranda back in the, the scene which is good well i think it's an excuse for eleanor to be like what do you have on him yeah um and okay. the answer is she's not telling right and then flint comes back and then she and she and flint have this reunion that's like really sad yeah where they're like where they both failed yeah kind of and they're both disappointed in each other. Yeah. And they both have this moment where they're like, I thought that we were in agreement that this is like the most important thing and that we wouldn't sacrifice anything for it. And Eleanor sacrificed the fort and Flint sacrificed, I don't know, I guess the treasure. Yeah. I, yeah. I got so mad at Flint in that scene because she was like, you weren't here. Yeah. And I had to fix things in the moment when you weren't here. And this is the best I could do. Like, obviously, it's not ideal, but this is what I got. It was this or everything imploded. Yeah. I mean, I get why she made the decisions that she did at the time. But thinking back, like, she did kind of act impulsively. She did sort of just let Vane walk in and kick Hornigold out. And, like, we don't like Hornigold, so, like... No, but he said he was going to blow up every ship in the bay. I know, but then Flint says, let him do it. Well, that's dumb. That's a bad plan. That's another bad plan by Flint. <laughs> that's you, another bad plan by Flint? Well, yeah, when he was like, we're going to take over that... Uh, we're going to take the warship with the walrus and the ranger. That was a bad plan. Yeah. That got everybody killed. Yeah. Having Vane blow up every ship in the bay while you try to take back the fort is a bad plan. Well, it just, it's, I don't think Flint is saying you should have let him do it. It's just that, like, you shouldn't have balked at that threat because Vane wouldn't have gone all the way. I think he would have. Huh. Vane doesn't care about NASA. But, any, but anyway, Flint's point is not like, it's exactly what you said. Like, I don't care what you sacrifice. We agreed that this is, like, our ticket to heaven. I know, but Why Flint- does? Flint killed his best friend. Right. 
I think it's okay for Eleanor to be like, I'm not going that far. <laughs> well, Flint doesn't. Basically, uh, yeah. Flint and Eleanor meet after having had that great passionate scene at the end of season one to be like, we're the only ones who understand each other because we're the only ones who understand that it's do this or die. Yeah. And Flint has come back having murdered his best friend in support of the cause. And Eleanor has sort has sort of rolled over and let Vane run the town because it meant that they were going to be alive for a few more days or months. And that's just not how, that was just not the way Flint and Eleanor were talking. Eleanor, what, I mean, again, I saw what happened. I saw why she made the decisions she did. I don't think she made the wrong choice. But I could see how Flint looks at her and says, oh, we're not the same. Sure. Right? Yeah. I guess I'm just making the argument that Eleanor is better suited to the position of governor or governor-esque yeah. than Flint is. Yeah, but it doesn't seem like Flint needs a governor. Flint wants to be a tyrant. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then for the rest of the episode, when he's like marshalling Hornigold and all these people against Vane, he's sort of like, he's, he's kind of betraying Eleanor. He absolutely is. Yeah. He's putting her in a really tough position by the end of the episode where she basically has to choose, do I want to side with Flint or do I want to side with Vane? Yeah. The decision seems pretty clear to me, and I think it seems clear to Flint, too. But for some reason, it's a hard decision for Eleanor. Well, it's a hard decision for Eleanor because she wants to avoid the two strongest pirates that are in her domain trying to kill each other. Yeah. And also, Vane has the fort. Like, that's a big deal. Mm Mm-hmm. And now he has Lord Ash's daughter... Mm. which he's going to get a nice ransom for. Okay. But that's nothing compared to the treasure that Flint's going to get. True. Eleanor is just... I'm not saying she's impulsive, but this is not the same Eleanor who was at the end of season one. I think it's just out of control at this point. And there's nothing that she can do to get it back in control. Yeah. And I don't think there's anything she could have done to keep it in control. Yeah. Oh, you don't... Really? Yeah. If she had... Okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like Everybody is making mistakes all the time, so whatever. I just don't think she made a mistake. I think she made a mistake. I think Flint's making a mistake. Uh, sure. Okay, let's keep talking he, about Eleanor. Flint should just go back and get the treasure. He does not need to take the fort back. No, his his whole point is that he can't sail back into the bay with a, a vane controlled bay, with a ship loaded with Spanish treasure. He doesn't. He can't trust Vane not to take it from him. But if Vane is Eleanor's partner, it would just go to Eleanor. No, that's what he's saying to Eleanor. Can you trust him? He says, "Can you look me in the eye and tell me that if I sailed back into the bay, that Vane wouldn't try to take it from me?" And Eleanor doesn't say anything. And Eleanor is in business with this guy. She sent Flint on a mission to get the gold, and he's come back and said, who's this guy? And she's like, it's cool. And he's like, is it really cool? And she says, I don't know. <laughs> like, she screwed up. I think that she trusts Vane. I think she doesn't trust Vane's crew. <laughs> I don't think she trusts Vane at all. Are you joking? I don't think she trusts Vane. I think she trusts Vane. No. She trusts Vane with her heart. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. That's why Let's talk their sex scene Eleanor at the end is yeah. all about, I mean, it's not all about, I'm not going to make any big statements about that, but it's not like, oh, you do really love me. It's like, 
it's... No, it's you did this for me. You kept me safe. No. Yes. No. Yes, it is. No. What is it about that? I think it's... I think it's you... Um, you figured out how to solve this problem. Like, I think it's it's not like, oh, you kept me safe. It's It's you did take responsibility and found a way to make this problem go away uh, in a way that maybe is visceral. Like she's not in danger anymore, but I don't think she's like, Oh, you saved me. I think it's like, Oh, you did something. And it was hot. <laughs> I think it's, you showed a display of power. Yeah. Which is hot. Yeah. But also, and I'm not saying you saved me as in like a damsel in distress kind of way, but like she was legitimately scared of Ned Lowe as she should be. Mm-hmm. And there's, there is something attractive about feeling safe with someone. I, but I think it's like, like I think of Eleanor and Vane as two pendulums swinging in opposite directions. (laughs) And every so often they cross each other. Uh And this is the moment. And they're like, ooh. Yeah. yeah. And this is the moment where Vane's incentives or Vane's motivations exactly line up with Eleanor's motivations, which is this guy needs to fucking go. And now we control his booty. Although I guess she didn't know that he had his treasure by the time when they went to, uh, when she went to see him. Um, yeah, I think she assumed maybe, but it's just like, I think that that's not a moment where she's like, Oh, you do really love me. It's just like for this point in time, our interests are perfectly aligned and that means we're going to fuck about it. Like (laughs) that's, yeah, that's, I don't know. Yeah. But he does love her. I don't know. He does. Because when, (laughs) because when he's talking to Max and she's like, I found a way to not care about her. Do you want to know what it is? Oh yeah. He says no. Okay. I know that. I remember that scene. By (laughs) the way, for Christmas, my mom gave me a shirt that says team Bane. So. (laughs) And she, and she looked at it and gave it to you and was like, is this right? And and we were both like, yes, Uh this is right. That's right. (laughs) Um, okay. Wait, this is too much. Um, we were talking about Eleanor. It's okay. We're going to, we're going to move around a lot more this episode. Cause I feel like a lot of characters interact with each other in this episode. Yeah, they're you feel less, like that because I think that's what happened. They're less on their own. Yeah, okay, but is that it for Eleanor? Oh, wait, what about her little scene with Mr. Scott? Oh, yeah. She just needs a dad in that <laughs> moment. She really just like needs some fatherly advice. And First, she had too many dads, and now she doesn't have enough dads. She, um, yeah. Yeah, she, she lures him out of Hornigold's camp just to sort of be like, she says, I don't want anything. I just sort of want to tell you the situation as I see it. And then if you yeah. need to interject and tell me I'm being an idiot, like you are free to do that. Yeah. She's <laughs> like, I just need to talk this out with you. <laughs> and he's like, I don't have time for this. And then as soon as she starts explaining stuff, he's like, what? <laughs> well, but the important thing is he says, where are you? Yeah. Where are you? But this is what I'm talking about. Actually, I don't remember what they're talking. I don't remember exactly what their conversation was about when he says that. But that's what I'm saying, that this is a different Eleanor. Yeah, that's fair. So, do you want to just talk about Vane? Actually, let's talk about Flint. Okay. Because Flint doesn't have much in this episode either, really. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Well, it, I mean, he does. Sorry, he does. <laughs> but he's he's not... It's mostly in the flashbacks. Yeah. Um. Well, okay, so the flashbacks. What's going on in the flashbacks? 
we get a nice little moment to start off the episode talking about power again and how uh, one of the one of the other problems with Nassau is the Atlantic Ocean that when you put a governor in power they're so far away they from England they feel like they have control and over everything and they get power hungry and they have too much power right and that will uh, what is it absolute power absolutely corrupts what's that phrase yeah, yeah. something like that so, corrupts absolutely yeah yeah um uh it's not just that like they get power hungry it's that there is the absence of power around them they're on an island yeah and they, the, they don't have to answer to anybody right and the threat of force or the or the or the power above them is is what does Flint say is, is nowhere to be seen. Yeah, like it's just you're on an island. Yeah, and it's not that you get hungry; you just stop seeing the walls because yeah. there are no walls. Right. Um, and uh, that's an interesting notion. When they mm-hmm. say uh, it's easy to get an honest governor elected, the problem is keeping them honest. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah. I feel like we sort of have seen that with Eleanor. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But that as they were talking about that, I was just I was, I'm so like easily enraptured by these shows where like my own life falls away while I'm watching them, and I'm sort of like yes, what they're saying. <laughs> and when he says the thing about the islands in the middle of the ocean, I'm like, yeah, <laughs> how would that ever work? <laughs> you're just supposed to go out there and trust that the people that you put in charge are going to come like answer to you, and even though communication and transport travel and all that stuff is takes weeks. That's basically its own little country. Like, of yeah. course it's going to operate that way. Yeah. And, like, have its own problems and all those things. How does civilization even work? I mean, and that's the whole thing of the show. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, that scene really worked on me. Um, there are also scenes in this episode between Flint and, or between James McGraw and uh, Miranda uh-huh. uh, that are very intense. Where basically, so basically, she approaches him yeah. and invites him on a date, yeah. and then sort of implies that she and Thomas Hamilton have an open relationship. Yeah, I mean, she—he's basically like, um, "What does your husband think about that?" And she's like, "We're in love. Like, we love each other, and he knows about the rumors, and he doesn't care, and I don't care. Yeah, like any more questions. Yeah. So, and I and I believe her that she loves him." That she loves Thomas. Mm-hmm. Just from the way we've heard her talk about him and interact with him in the flashbacks, like, I I believe that they love each other. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they also have an interesting conversation about, like, other people and what other people think. Because she's basically saying, you care too much about what other people think, and he's like, you don't care enough. Mm. And it's sort of comes to a I guess a reconciliation when they're in the carriage together and he's like we're we're going to your home I told him to not go on this date (laughs) just go home and and they're really like they're flirting 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 and she ends up kissing him but she says um she says I think you're a man who's really good at managing how other people perceive you mm-hmm. and that you're really good at getting what you want and people might not even realize that you're getting what you want mm-hmm. i love that yeah it's so flint it's so it's so flint and it's so cool because this is the suggestion that um 
this James McGraw that we've seen is very um, nervous about how he's going to be perceived yeah. in society and in the Navy and in by everybody. Um, and then we could see, we know, we could see in Flint that in the years since this flashback, he's weaponized that ability uh-huh. and that self-consciousness to yeah. say like, yes, it is important what people think of you. It's very important. Yeah. Um, and... We have, I mean, we haven't seen how the flashbacks resolve, but this idea that Flint is, like, because in the flashbacks, she suggests it sort of as to a fault. Like, it's, she's, she's saying, like, you're good at it, but also she's saying, like, you feel the need to be good at it. Yeah. And, um, and at that moment, I see, like, this young man who seems like it's a thing that traps him, that, ha- that he has to build up a public persona and, like, is very conscious about how he's perceived. And it's just cool to see that in the modern Flint, that's something that is not a weakness anymore. It's a strength. Yeah. I just love that we saw, like, we saw him do this last episode, mm-hmm. and she just put a name to it. Mm-hmm. He did get exactly what he wanted without right. people even knowing that he was, that getting, he was it. getting it. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's a, it's not clumsy, it's not clumsily written, it's like the, the, the exchange between him and Dufresne at the end where we talked about the end yeah. of the last episode, where Dufresne's like, is it possible that you planned all this? And right. Like, I think they're trying to write that Dufresne only notices what is actually happening when it's all over uh-huh. when like he should have noticed earlier but um uh but i mean like that that it, I mean, this is the last episode we t- shouldn't talk too much about it but like ned texted us um after he watched the last episode about the moment where flint mentions gates yeah. uh, and says no one is more sorry about that or feels worse about that than i do to dufresne that is a palpable moment where Flint is playing like three dimensional chess there, and yeah. Dufresne doesn't know what is being done to him, but he feels some, but he, but he, something is happening, is being done to him, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, so that's what happens in the Flint flashbacks, right? He mm-hmm. talks to Miranda, flirts with Miranda, and they have this conversation. We do get to see him shirtless. Oh, yeah. I'm not mad about it. <laughs> His freckly shoulders. He has such a great expression during that scene where he's, like, very confused, but also, like, sort of like, what are you doing here? I'm not wearing a shirt. (laughs) There's just something in his face. No, he knows exactly what she's doing there. Is there anything to say about Silver? He doesn't really do much No, Silver doesn't really do anything in this episode. It's nice to see the crews, like, into it now. They stomp along with him. Yeah, and also, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Wait, you said the... um, the other thing about Miranda is the books. So we know that books have like a yeah. have importance in the show, or we think that the books have importance in the show. And in the first book, he hands him Don Quixote. Is that right? And then when Flint visits Miranda but doesn't go inside, yeah, um, he leaves La Galatea on her doorstep, yeah. which is another book by Miguel Cervantes. Yeah, um, but I don't think it has much plot relevant. Like when he yeah. hands Don Quixote to. Flint. It's a funny joke. That's a funny joke. Yeah. But does Galatea have any... I mean... Um, we... I mean, we we haven't read it, <laughs> but um, just from a quick Google, it seems to have a lot of themes of love and friendship running through it, so I think it's a nice I'm sorry book of... Oh. Like, let's reconcile because we love each other and we're friends and... Yeah, it feels like what he really wants to leave is Don Quixote, but like... That wouldn't seem right. That's a wrong, <laughs> wrong message. <Yeah. laughs> um, but um, 
And then he wrote, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the meaning of that? I'm sorry. Um, I mean, the last we saw them, they had a huge fight. (laughs) And he's apologizing for the fight because what has he learned since their fight? That he's crazy? I mean, I think he's like, I'm sorry that I have to do this. Oh, he's not apologizing for his behavior. He's apologizing. Like, I'm sorry that I can't leave with you right now. Right. And do you think that's influenced by him, like, looking in the window and seeing her with, like, children? I think it's influenced by him killing Gates. Oh. Oh. Does Eleanor say something to Flint during their meeting about Miranda? She does, right? Yeah, she says, like, I went and talked to her. Yeah. And she's upset. Yeah. So, just on learning that, Flint's like, ah, I gotta go. Apologize. Well, he's already brought the book at that point. Yeah. So, I think it has to do with Gates and to him recognizing that Miranda is like his last person. Yeah. Well, yeah. He's been at sea, not just the Gates episode, but on the entire way back, his only friend has been Silver. Yeah. And like, they're not really friends, yeah. even though they've been through a lot. Yeah. He's probably lonely. Yeah. That's sad. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's our Flint and Miranda stuff. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Max and Anne? Yes. So let's talk about Max. Okay. Does she still love Eleanor? <laughs> uh, no. No. Why not? Uh, because she's sleeping with Anne. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. Yeah. I like that is about that is a question about the nature of love and if you ever really stop loving anybody. Oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I yeah I think that she still loves Eleanor. But what she's learned to do is stop caring about Eleanor. Right. Eleanor makes it very easy to do that. <laughs> I'm just saying, like especially for someone like Max. <sighs> yeah. I mean, but what is, like, what's the difference between caring and love? Um, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think it is? I don't know either. I, yeah, I don't think she's over her. I think she's telling herself that she is. And I don't know what her, I don't know if Anne is her way to not care. Because she never says what her, what her method is. Mm Mm-hmm. It could be Anne. Or it could be the brothel, you know, running a business. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking, like, my method is to stop caring. My method to stop caring about her is start trying to beat her. Yeah. But. Yeah. I don't think that, I don't think she was going to say that. Yeah, I'm not sure what she would have said. Anyway, so so but you're suggesting so you're suggesting that Anne is Max's distraction from Eleanor. I think so. Hmm. Because I think that in the Max and Eleanor relationship, Eleanor was the one with the power. Like she dictated what the relationship was and how it went and probably like when they spent time together or what they did together. Um there was just like an imbalance there, but I think there's also an imbalance 
in the Max and Anne relationship where now Max is the one to say, like, this is how the relationship is going to go. Mm-hmm. And Anne is so, like, racked with guilt that she can't really, she can't really own this relationship yet Mm-mm. until, I think, at the end of the episode where she's like, actually, this is what I want. Mm. I want to be with Max and I want Jack to be there, too, because he's my partner and I love him. Hmm. Is that what you think that scene is? What she's saying with her naked butt there? Yeah, I think that's what her butt is telling me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny because, like, I think that um, uh, you interpreting that scene as Anne making a statement is, or taking back power or control of this relationship is is like sort of what I guess is what ha- what's happening. But when that scene is happening, Anne just looks so um, meek about it somehow. And, like, how the scene is shot with, like, showing the scars on her back and, like, all this stuff. Like, I know that she is... actually very brave. Yeah. I mean, she gets fully undressed. She's like, I'm here. I'm naked in front of both of you. And I'm going into the bedroom. And you two need to step it up and follow me. Hmm. And I think showing the scars, well, it's interesting. We also got a shot of the scars on Bane's back. When? When he's having sex with Eleanor. Oh. I don't know what that means, but it's a cool parallel. Oh. I'll keep thinking about that. Um, I think it's just showing, I think it just shows, I think it makes sense that Anne is scarred. Yeah. I mean, she's a fighter. No, so I is know. Bane. I know. So I think it's both practical, but it's also showing like Anne is a little bit damaged but she's bravely showing all of herself to these two people and challenging them to love her. Me- yes, I think that's a good interpretation of the scene. I would like to revise instead of saying meek. I think the word I'm looking for is like surrender. Ooh, yeah, where yeah, that's she's a good like word. instead of taking control, she's sort of surrendering to how she, what she wants, and it's not like her right, being she's like not I'm not feeling guilty anymore. Right, and but, but she's not saying, like, this is what I want, and you two are the most important people to me, so you better step it up. It's sort of just like, this is what I want, and I'm, and and this is what I want. And it's yeah. like, and being unashamed about that. Yeah. Um, which is, like, powerful literarily, but maybe right, not, right, right. like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm, I, no, I like that. I, I like don't want to take it away from it. her, but, like, it's, it, I don't know. I think that she's well, still, like... I think there's still bravery in that. There's still bravery in it, but there's still room for Anne to come in and really actually take charge. Yes. And actually t- take control of the relationship. Right. This is her first step. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love Anne. <laughs> <laughs> I just want her to be happy. <laughs> um, yeah. And I also love that it's not salacious. What? Which part? The, that it's, like... Jack's gonna have a threesome. Oh, it's a, such a cool scene. You it's know? really it's good. Like, it's so much more about the the characters and what they want. And I think you're gonna regret saying that when, like, possibly in the future there is gonna be a steamy sex scene, threesome sex scene. Sure. Yeah. This scene though is not that. Yeah. And I'm just saying it because I have a friend who just started watching and listening to our show, and she reminded me of that awful Blackbeard scene. And, like, this could not be further from that. It feels like <laughs> this couldn't be further from it. Can you, 
Can you imagine? <laughs> oh, it's like from a different show. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is literally like from a different show. It's also, I mean, you point, you said the parallel between like the scars on yeah. Vane and Anne's back, but it's also a parallel that like both of these storylines end in this incredibly like, like both of these storylines aren't like rewarded with sex. They like end with sex. Like yeah. sex is the end point. It's not the button on the end of like what they're exploring here. Eleanor and Vane's like storylines bring them to sex uh-huh. and, uh, and the same for this threesome. Like, it is, like, it's interesting. It's cool. Yeah. Well, and both of them end in sex with, I think, I think that Eleanor also approaches it of, like, this is what I want. Right. Like well, she, and, she initiates every act right. in their sex scene. Right. And I think what I'm trying to say with that is that this is not, um, uh, oh, God, what's the term that people use uh, for unnecessary sex scenes? Sex position? No. It's like... Extra boobs? No, no, no. There's a word that people use. They use it about violence, too, that it's sort of, like, unearned. Superfluous? Yeah, it's something like superfluous. It's, like, unearned, like, just there for decoration. Decorative sex. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I forget the word. I'm going to remember the word. Um, But this is not... It's, like, not extraneous. It's, like, not... This is not, like... This is, like, you could describe a bunch of other uh, uh, premium drama TV shows or whatever as having a lot of uh, a lot of sex because, like, that's what premium adult drama TV shows yeah. have. But this is an example of sex that is actually part of the story. Yes. This is, this is how the characters are with each other. Yes. And the show, like, I'm not going to say the show is about sex, but, like, sex is part of these characters' Yeah, it's journeys. part of their lives. Yeah. I think this is the best episode so far, and maybe in the whole show we'll kind of take a look back, but of showing exactly as much sex as we need to know about. Like with Miranda and Flint, we just need to see them kiss Mm -hmm. and feel the flirtatious tension in the air. Mm -hmm. With Eleanor and Vane, we need to see them having sex Mm -hmm. because that is so much about their relationship. Mm-hmm. And so much about what they're drawn to about each other. And then with Jack and Max and Anne, we just need to see them agreeing mm-hmm. to it. Yeah. And that's all we need. That's so good. Yeah. It's really good. Jack's face during those scenes. Yeah. I mean, it's a little cartoony, mm-hmm. but it's so right. Mm-hmm. The like the frowns when they're like, we're not going to our room. Mm-hmm. We're going to this room. And mm-hmm. then what's she doing here? And then, or, or not what she's yeah. doing here, but like, oh, she's here. Oh, what's happening? Oh, we're both going to go? Like, yeah. And and his apprehensive looks to Max where he's like, do you know what she's doing? Yeah. Um, really good. Yeah. And another parallel is Eleanor being attracted to Vane's power, and I think Anne is also attracted to Jack because he finally has a little bit of power again. He's, like, making moves, and he's, like, we're going to have a ship, and we're going to go sailing again, and I'm going to be a captain, and, like, you know, he's not just, like, moping around and getting peed on, (laughs) (laughs) which is not the most attractive. Um, Yeah, actually, we spent a lot of time talking about the end of those storylines, but we didn't really talk about the beginning of it. So, like, basically, the plot is, uh, first of all, I love that Vane needs to know something, and he goes right to Max. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
that he walks in. Uh, yeah, it, it's so. Um, I don't know. I, maybe Western's not the right term, but it feels like so genre that he walks into the yeah. into the uh, brothel and he sort of like looks mysterious in the corner, and then he catches Max's eye and he's like, "I know Max. I know I can trust Max with this. I know Max knows, yeah, or can find out." And like, except now we know the backstory both for the guy who yeah. walks into the into the brothel mysteriously and the woman that he trusts with this information. Yeah, and they both. I don't know. I mean. I don't really know what I'm saying. And they both loved the same woman. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what I love. I don't know why I love it, but I love it him going right for Western, her. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, so he, so he asked her for information and then she uses it as an opportunity to bargain for Anna and Jack's ability to sail again. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And it's like really smart and good of her. Um, I was, this is happening. I was like so nervous that this was going to turn into a conflict and maybe it still will. I don't remember of like Jack being like, well, I didn't earn it. Like you, no one asked you to do this for me. Um, I think that Jack is so low that he's willing to take what he can get. Yeah. And he finally has a way to plan again. I mean, this was sort of his plan before when he walked in and he said, here's what we're going to do. You get secrets. We'll get a ship and a crew. And we'll work. We'll all work together. Mm-hmm. And then we see him in this episode trying to recruit and failing miserably. Yeah, that scene is a little clumsy. Where it's like it's just a, like cut to Jack standing in front of a group of people, <laughs> and he wants to be pirates. The last thing we hear Jack is saying, "Well, as for Captain, well, you're looking at him." <laughs> it's like <laughs> that, it's not the best sell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, he, Max is already going to be part of the scheme, mm-hmm. so. No, I mean, there's definitely, for this episode, he's definitely been caught in the lowest of the low moment. Yeah. But I do, now as soon as I said it, like, I wonder if in the future they're still opening up a storyline for at a moment of, a moment less like this for him to say, I wanted to earn this. Right. He doesn't, he'll not remember that he was at the lowest of the low and that he was desperate. Sure. But for now, from from here on out, he's indebted to Max for his return to the sea. I don't think that's something he could actually let stand. I think that that would be more of a problem if Max and Anne stayed in a closed relationship. Hmm. Hmm. But maybe now that he's being accepted into the relationship that it's going to be, maybe it's going to be okay. Hmm. We'll find out. So, I mean, so then that scene is also really good. I mean, the yeah, the one when Anne and Jack walk in and Vane says, um, restoring your public or this is a public display of reconciliation. Yeah. And it's just very tense and sort of awkward. and Yeah. Um, but then Vane says all this great stuff about them when he says, um, you two, uh, <laughs> you're either going to be the death of each other or we're all going to work for you someday. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it's pretty direct foreshadowing. I mean, without, ever, without hinting towards what happens to these characters, that's definitely like trying to make yeah. you think like, yeah, how does this end for them? <laughs> yeah. How could, what is the ending for these characters? Yeah. <laughs> is there anyone else that we want to talk about or i feel like we're heading into tidbits territory no we're good with tidbits territory okay oh well we can talk about ned low a little bit oh my god no we, we didn't talk about <laughs> vane we talked about all the characters and how they talk to vane but yeah. i want to talk about vane okay vane is cool <laughs> this is maybe this is the episode where i was like really sold on like 
oh, Charles Vane is the man. Yeah. Um, because he gets to have his own moment of, like, outsmarting, of having his Flint Silver moment where he has a plan and he executes it and it goes really well. But Sil- but um, Vane's plan is so... I mean, I shouldn't have said it's like Flint and Silver because it's not like a Flint and Silver plan. It's yeah. a Vane plan. Yeah. It's Vane has a personal vendetta and he's got to get the crew yeah. to help him, which is in the first episode of the scene, you establish that Ned, that he wants to kill Ned, but that his that his men will never go for that um, yeah. because they'll understand that it's revenge against Eleanor and Vane has to invent a way or discover a way to incentivize the men to take out Ned. Yeah. It's a pretty clean plot and it's good. Yeah. And and he gets to be just, like, a total badass. Total badass. <laughs> well, one thing that I really actually like, I, this is my favorite version of Ned Lowe. Yeah. This episode. Because I feel like I get what I've been missing from the character, which is an intelligence and a self-awareness. Uh-huh. Like, I really like when he comes in to meet Vane and he's like, look... I know how this goes. I know you're the one to talk to. I also know you've had a relationship with her. And like, listen, I can get a little crazy. I can go a little wild. And I need you to know that you're not going to mess with that. Like, he's just so aware of how of his position in all this. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. I mean, I appreciate that because he's, like, bowing to one of our favorite characters. <laughs> but I wonder, as he's saying all that, like, is this the conversation that you had with the guy in Tortuga? And did, the, did that guy not try to kill you? Like, because it's just, like, we've seen enough of this pirate show to say, if you two are going to have a problem, then you just got to be the one who kills him first. Because, well, like, that's say- just the way to navigate these situations. But he's saying, we don't have a problem, right? And Vane's like, no, we don't have a problem. Yeah. I think with the guy in Tortuga, he was like, hey, here's some... Here's some money from my hall, so in the future we won't have a problem, right? And the guy in Tortuga was like, yeah, no problem, just keep paying me. Yeah, but Ned didn't fuck with that guy's love of his life. Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. That's the problem. And Ned didn't have treasure. Yeah, did we, how did we learn, how did Vane hear that Ned had a treasure? Like, that was just the... From Max. But he knew to ask Max to find out what it was because he said yes. there's a, the rumor is that they have something. Yeah. That, which uh, is, well, Eleanor told him they have something. Did she? Because Mr. Meeks told her they have something. Right, right. Okay, got it. But that is also playing out an example of something that's very important, which Flint and Silver say, or is it Flint? Or I think it's Flint, says very briefly at the beginning of the episode, which is do not let any of the men go to Nassau yeah. because they will tell other people about the treasure. Yeah. It's like they literally cannot leave the boat. Yeah. Yeah. That cannot be a rumor on the street. And that's like Flint. And that's not something that Ned knows how to manage at all. Right. And because I'm not even sure, like, we know that Mr. Meeks told Eleanor, et cetera, et cetera. But Ned's men have also been running all over the place. Yeah, clearly. And actually, and that's how Max found out what it was. Yeah. We don't even even have to see her doing it. She clearly just went off and asked somebody. Yeah. Um, And uh, so that's a cool conflict that's playing out between those captain ships there and how do you manage your crew and yeah manage your long-term heist plan yeah um yeah and then Vane gets to say here's the deal i get your ship i get your guns i get your weapons i get it all and you get a head start I just, like, <laughs> the multiple times that Vane tried to, like, it felt like there were many times in that speech where Vane was like, okay, here's the deal. And 
And Ned's like, I don't want to talk. And Vane's like, just let me go, please. Like, <laughs> no, 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 I plan this out. This sounds so cool. You don't know? No, I know you really want to go, and you know you're probably going to die. Uh, but please just let me say the whole speech. <laughs> I rehearsed it at home, and it sounded so good. <laughs> because then when he finally does, he says, you haven't heard the deal yet. Okay, here's the deal. I get your ship. I get your men. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's really cool. It's also a really good fight. I was thinking the whole time and I didn't write it down, but I remember thinking during the whole scene with just them sitting in the, in the, uh, in that, the captain's quarters or whatever on, on Ned's ship. What's his ship called again? The fancy, the fancy. Right. Um, uh, just thinking like, this is a, this is a pirate TV show. Like this is, this is like, this is breaking bad with pirates. It's just like (laughs) drug deals and like these tense meetings, like, but on a pirate ship between two pirate captains. And I know that this guy's going to kill this guy. (laughs) Um, uh, but yeah. And then when the action starts, I'm just like, yeah, this is, this is that pirate show I came for. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's good. It's really good. And now Vane has a ship. So, he wants a ship because he doesn't really care about the fort. I mean, yeah, the fort's, like, nice and great, but he can't go anywhere. Right. So he want, he has a ship, and Jack and Anne and Max are going to want a ship. Yes. They can afford a much smaller ship, though. Okay. Um, we can go to tidbits, but, before, but, but I have one other thing. Okay. I keep bringing it up, but it, it's bothering me more and more. Yeah. What happened to the ranger? It's sunk. It's gone. Yeah. So in the scene where Dufresne says to Flint, how are you going to explain what happened to Gates? Why can't Flint just say, isn't the obvious answer like we lost half our crew? I think no, because Dufresne would tell people. Okay, sure. Yes. Okay. Yes. In that instance, and and Flint's right. I like that Flint says lead with honesty and then he tells everybody because like he knows you're right. That would get around. Also, but like, that, it's a fair excuse to say he was leading a mutiny. Yeah. He lost sight of the mission, and I had to do what had to be done. Well, but also, you like, Gates said, I will incite a mutiny. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, it just bothers me that no one is like, what happened to the Ranger? And, like, also, how are you operating the ship with half the crew that you need? It's a Spanish warship, and, like, you Nobody's can't... seen the ship. What ship? Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. Okay, fine. Anything else? <laughs> I didn't like it when Haldo said... Okay. <laughs> okay. That's a different podcast. I'm, cu- I'm, I'm cutting it out. Um, okay. Now we're really going into tidbits. Okay. Okay. Oh, I like when Vane says that Eleanor... Or I think this is paraphrasing, but he basically says Eleanor won't be missed, but her business will. To Ned. Mm. I think that's, that's fair. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I also love when Vane says to Max... Jack and Anne don't know what they're up against. against. Yeah, that's really good. It, it, like, the way he looks at her. But that's that was also one of those moments where I was like, nah, I love there or the point in this TV show where we could just have two characters that we love yeah. just, like, have a conversation, and it feels electric. I know. Yeah. Oh, and I also love when Jack says to Anne, I don't care that she knows how to play the thing between your legs better than I do. I care about the thing between your ears. Mm-hmm. You love that? I love that. Because I think he's telling the truth. Yeah. Uh, I had a question. So in the very last scene when Flint is giving the speech to the crew. Yeah. Or I don't know if it's the very last scene, but it's one of the last scenes. um, Silver looks annoyed, and I don't understand why. 
maybe he thinks it's a bad plan. Why would he think? But he hasn't really given a chance to express that. Yet, no. Right. Okay, maybe we'll see next episode. Yeah. I mean, we've heard Silver say all he cares about is the gold. Right. That's what I thought. That it was like Flint is getting caught up in something that is not the gold. Yeah. Um, he's getting frustrated that Flint is suddenly remembering that like Nassau is a place and that Flint wants to fight for Nassau and he can't handle it being in the hands of someone who is in right. a Guthrie or something like that. Yeah. Um, okay, so that makes sense, but maybe we'll see more of that later. Um, so another part of Vane's speech that I love is when Ned calls out, Mr. Holmes, and Vane goes, Mr. Holmes doesn't work here anymore. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and one last thing. Um, when they're at the meeting with Vane to get his, like, approval again, Vane makes, like, one move, and Anne, like, pulls out her knife. Like, she's ready to fight Vane for Jack. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh, I also wrote in my notes, Vane is a safe bad boy. Why? Because <laughs> I think for Eleanor, like, Vane is very safe, but he's also a bad boy, and that's, like, the perfect combination. <laughs> But that's what I'm saying about the two pendulums, because he's only safe for, like, once every two months. I know, but he's safe right now. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Okay, that's it for me. Um, So follow us on Twitter, tweet at us, all that stuff. Um, Review us Mm -hmm. on Apple Podcasts. Also, I'm sorry for the... um, Over the past few episodes, you've probably been hearing, like, our radiators whistle and all those noises, and we haven't acknowledged it, and I keep forgetting too. But it's yeah. winter here in New York where we are, so our apartment is starting to make noises, and we don't have a studio to record in. So, um, yeah. if you want to PayPal us a studio, you can. No, I'm not. No. Okay. Um, yeah, I think that's. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. So, and also, uh, Chelsea has woke up with a cold this morning but we had to uh, we had to record so Chelsea now you know what it's like to rise from the grave (gasps) good one (laughs) (laughs) okay bye bye